Okay, guys, we're live. Do you like the intro music, Tara? Here we go. Let me unmute you. Tara, Jackie, it's 35 seconds. We're going to smash it. LinkedIn wants to see us coming. Quality, inclusivity, diversity. That's what the topic is here today. Everyone, I am Stephen Drew. Oh, I'm too early. We've got another 18 seconds, Tara. Okay. All right. Get professional. Get professional. All right. Here we go. Seven. Six, five. All right. Wow. Wow. What an intro. Here we are live. Do you like it, guys? Tara? I love it. You, I don't know you if you could hear me when I in the intro. I was trying I, to talk, but I was on you the... had to uh, You had to unmute yourself. No, it, I think everyone, uh, the, the, the software just likes the system. But Jackie, welcome to the Architecture Social Show. We are live. And for anyone that's joining us at the moment, today we've got an interesting topic. And so it always pops up. Say now you're going for an interview and you want to ask certain questions. We all know equality, inclusivity, and diversity matters, but is it appropriate to ask it in an interview? Or how do you? Or can you? Is that something that you can do? So exploring this topic today, we have the fantastic Tara Carl to Hello. my to my right over here. That's right. You're on my and, left. Oh no, that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all here. And below. We've got the fantastic Jackie Handy, who I met through Tara the other weeks. And so we're all here virtually. Jackie, uh, how are you today, first of all? Are you okay? Well, uh, great intro. Loving it. Uh, <laughs> I'm really well, thanks, Stephen. It's great to be here with both of you. So uh, hi, everybody that's watching as well. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to a good conversation. Brilliant. So Jackie, so for anyone that hasn't met you before on their joining us today do you want to let everyone know maybe a little bit about your background and what you're currently up to at the moment sure yeah absolutely so um well as you know my name's jackie handy and uh basically i help organizations globally embed inclusive practices into their businesses um my phone's just rung as well in the other room Don't worry about it. um so my background, sort of long time background, is I was a recruiter for around 15 years. So I've kind of seen that side of the coin, you know, where people are looking to, I, I would be the person that would source candidates for jobs and I would work with organizations around the types of candidates they were looking for. Um, and then kind of bring everything together really in that recruitment process. Now, I, in my sort of latter years, I moved into learning and development and um, most recently, Recently, around three or four years ago, I started speaking professionally as well. And, and that has, um, I, I actually opened up about my own personal story. So as a gay woman in the corporate world, um, I found it uh, an interesting uh, perspective, if you like, to navigate the world from. And um, as, as maybe others in the audience will be aware of, you know, there are times where we perhaps hide part of our identity just for fear, really, of perhaps being overlooked for promotions 
uh, perhaps been treated differently. I'd been bullied as a teenager and uh, and into my sort of early adult years. And I wanted to avoid that in corporate life. But I guess as I've sort of hit my late 40s, I've realized that, you know, life is too short and and to be inauthentic. And, and if not now, then when? And if not me, then who? So I decided to open up about that. And it's taken me into this wonderful world of diversity, equity and inclusion with organizations. It now shapes the work that I do. Um, as Tara knows, she and I met through Clubhouse. I run a, a, a diversity and inclusion room every Friday afternoon on Clubhouse. And um, and it's basically what um, I spend my time doing. I, I created a book last year about this, the topic. And, um, and I, I join in with events like this one, which are really valuable, I hope, for those watching. So that's a little bit of a sort of dampened down version of why I do what I do and what I do. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie. So oh, we both have a lot in common there. I resonate a lot with that. And in particular, we've also seen the weird and wonderful world of recruitment, or as I like to say, behind the scenes, sometimes in that employment world. So from looking at jobs ourselves and working with companies, it really is interesting to see it from both sides. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting and valuable. So really amazing. Thank you for that intro. And so briefly, Tara, do you want to tell everyone if they've not met you before um, what you're currently up to and why you've, you were excited to get this conversation going and why you were in Jackie's Clubhouse and yeah, sure. interesting? Yeah, well, um, so as you know, I teach uh, um, English to architects. So I've been focusing for the last year on working with architects. Um, I am a landscape architect myself, so I've been working as a landscape architect for 15 years. And it's been something that I've really enjoyed in the last year, really understanding more about cultural diversity, being in the realm of helping people with their English. So this is why I'm excited about the conversation because I, I meet a lot of people from all over the world, uh, also wanting to know more about, you know, what aspects of their life can they share and I think that's really important and it's really important to me. But also I think from my perspective, I'm also interested in other aspects of diversity as well. And coming into Jackie's room on a Friday on Clubhouse has been really great just to hear different people's perspectives. You know, it's not just about cultural diversity. It's about people who, who are disabled or um, their, their gender diversity um, and sexuality, things like that. And I think these are the things that, are sometimes the elephant in the room. So it's good to be in a space where we can discuss these sorts of things. So I really appreciate that room, Jackie. So thank you very much. And um, it's allowed us to meet and have this conversation today. So that's right. me in a nutshell, and that's us. Brilliant. All right. So let's just jump into it then. So the kind of set the scene here, because architecture in particular is in an interesting space right now at the moment. So a few years ago, uh, there was light brought on issues such as the gender pay gap. So there was, used to be a massive gender pay gap in architecture, and that's slowly being addressed as well. And at the moment, there are some topical things happening, such as unpaid overtime. And I think that actual um, architecture practices are beginning to realize that this is not just a tick box exercise, that there's actually a massive value to addressing these issues so that people stay with them a long time. However, but what's interesting is that I talk to a lot of people and I, it, it seems to me, and that's why this question is interesting, that 
the topic itself, if anyone's interviewing an architecture practice or they're going to interviews, is almost seen as something do you really talk about? Isn't that the um, employer's responsibility? Or I would say that while architecture is getting much more progressive than before, maybe there's been some old school ways, you know, in the industry. And so while it's getting there now, the interesting bit that I'd like to get into today, especially when your architecture is old school and it's a bit like sometimes the use the analogy, Jackie, of architects will work long into the into the evening, getting buildings done, working long hours. And that's the kind of culture it comes from where it was all about the work initially. You know, it was all about the work. The idea of benefits, you know, was kind of seen as, oh, maybe that would be something what Facebook does with, um, you know, with cushions and the fruit bowl. But actually now I think it's cottoned on that uh, architectural practices need to address these things. And actually it's really, really important. And actually, to be fair, a lot of really progressive architectural practices do get it right. But to bring it back in, that's to set the scene. I, over the last year or two, have been working with a lot of people who are looking for jobs. And it's something that never gets brought up in an interview. And it would be really interesting for us all, we can open the floor now to get our thoughts on that and how important it is, or if it is appropriate to ask these questions when in, in an interview. I mean, what do you think, Jackie, about the subject of can you ask about equality and inclusivity in an interview if you're being interviewed as sure. the candidate? Okay, so um, here's the thing. You can ask what the hell you like in an interview. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yes. You're, it's, it's your interview as much as it is the interviewer's interview. Mm. Right. So I, I would say that if there are recruiters in architecture or indeed anywhere um, yeah. that are watching this, um, I would say to answer your question or, or rather that statement around, you know, should it be brought up? I think actually it is becoming more and more an important part of organizational culture. And and you're right. Um, you know, perhaps we don't hear it mentioned that often by the interviewer. So, um, you know, first things first, I would say organizations can and should be doing more um, to to not not just do the bare minimum, as you say, you know, tick box exercises don't solve any global problems or systemic problems in our society. So there needs to be much more of a uh, commitment to long-term solutions. And as I talk about those consistent small steps forward to progress for everybody um, in that organization. So much so that when it comes to uh, attracting uh, talent and recruiting talent, and indeed onboarding and retaining that talent in their business, it's all a natural holistic part of how that business operates. And so it would be therefore then quite natural for that organization to bring it up or at least reference it in the interview in the same way perhaps they would reference their organizational mission, vision and values. Now, from a uh, candidate perspective then, what I would first of all suggest, well, 
as with any element of um, the candidate experience, I would hope that candidates would be researching the organisations that they're about to be interviewed with. And, um, and I would say, well, if, if, if diversity, equity and inclusion is important to you, ask yourself firstly why, because you may get that as a, um, a kind of counter question response from your interviewer. Um, if you start asking about, you know, how diverse and inclusive is this organization, the interviewer might say, well, what, what is it that interests you in relation to that? You know, so you need to be able to answer that. So rather than just saying, well, just seeing if you're doing the right thing, you know, maybe think about something that, you know, why is it really important to you and the organization that you're choosing to work with or look at an opportunity with? So I think those things are important. Um, but in terms of then what a candidate might choose to ask, well, you know, I would say look at the research. So when you research um, that organizational website, for instance, um, you know, just look at what they suggest their culture is and stands for. Look at what their vision suggests they're looking to achieve and think about, well, how does that relate not necessarily just to diversity, equity and inclusion, but actually to humanity and its its staff members. So in other words, and, and I'll pause for a minute then, but in other words, you know, how does that organisation look to personalise and humanise its values in its everyday language and behaviour? Amazing. I, I There was a lot of good stuff there and, and I love that the point that you mentioned that the interview is just as much for you as well as the company. And I think that, that it is forgotten, you know, it's almost sometimes like the spotlights on you and, and you, you feel like, Oh, I couldn't possibly ask anything. Or maybe at the interview at the end, it goes, you know, that sometimes some people dread that, like, have you got any questions? And actually yeah. it is a chance to get involved and ask these things. And the other bit that I like there is that you're right whatever's important to you, you should bring up in the interview. And as you said, that these things can be in more important or less of an importance right now. And it's up for you to bring it up. But I kind of agree. I think that everything is up for discussion in an interview. And as long as you, uh, I think, ask a question in a friendly, inquisitive way, not a defensive way, you know, if you, you want to gen ask a genuine question, it's like, how are, how are things going at the moment? Where are you taking, uh, you know, where are things going in the practice? Or what uh, currently right now events are you up to? And in terms of diversity, I mean, what kind of architects or backgrounds are in an architecture practice? These are all great questions rather than going like, so what is your equality and diversity? Oh. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna set everyone on the wrong back foot. So it's the language. But, but what I think is important just to add as well is, you know, I don't think that people should think that they can only really talk about this stuff if they sort of sit in one of the um, so-called protected characteristics boxes, you know, a marginalised group or an underrepresented group. But actually, if you think about it, why is an inclusive organization important? Why is equity in business important? And why is diversity of representation and thought also important? Well, you know, more and more and more organizational success will be 
um, and there's there's much evidence that tells us so, will be impacted positively by greater diversity and inclusive cultures. So if there is somebody looking to um, join an organisation, presumably they're hoping to do that for the long term. And presumably they want to join an organisation that is reputable, that is focusing on its own branding and is focusing on um, basically reaching out into the wider stakeholder community for prospective clients and, of course, considering their existing clientele. So there is absolute, um, uh, I, I think there's there's an absolute uh, important importance attached to the diversity, equity and inclusion that an organisation prides itself upon for everyone to benefit financially, ethically and from customer base, because more and more organisations want to do business with inclusive organisations. Amazing. Well, I think that, well, you absolutely set the scene there so we've got to have a round of applause for that a virtual <laughs> round of applause there we go brilliant jackie and so tara i'm going to get your thoughts on this as well and kind of get involved but just before we move on as well so anyone that's watching if you want to ask jackie a question or me or tara or us all it's all open here or, or if you want to add a, a statement or chip in your thoughts that's totally cool so amani says hi so hi amani hi Hello. amani welcome <laughs> And then we have an anonymous user who has said, um, it's all okay, it's PG-13, Tara, isn't it? We've got no bad comments okay, here. okay, no Twitch comments. We're all good here, it's all appropriate. So one LinkedIn user says, the underrepresentation of many ethnic groups translates not only to the inequities within the profession, but also to missed opportunities in the business. And I kind of yeah. like that phrase in the end of missed opportunities. And I think that... Um, actually that most architecture practices that I spoke to and a lot of, for instance, I work with a lot of architecture practices in London and there's a few great employers that I can think of and I'll mention them because they're great employers. Skidmore and Merrill have a fantastic diverse, um, you know, a range of architects, professionals from all, you know, all types of backgrounds. And if that's not the be, that's not the point. It's not, they're just great people. But I've heard a few of the team leaders say specifically that that mixture of creative people from different walks of life adds to the je ne sais quoi of the makeup of what makes Skidmore Owens and Merrill a great architectural practice. So, I mean, I think it, uh, I think that statement is great. Tara or Jackie, Tara, I'm, I'm conscious that I want to get you involved. Is there anything, any thoughts that come to your mind at the moment? And I, yeah, and I'll read definitely. one or two comments in the short term. Sure. Um, thank you, Jackie. I think a lot of what you were saying is just you've hit the nail on the head and I think it's really important. And I think as you were talking, one thing that I was thinking is that so with a lot of the people that I work with, for example, they might be going for a job and in an English-speaking country and they may notice certain things or differences between where they've come from and where they are. And so one thing that I try to do with, with them is to ask them about what those differences are. What does it mean to you and how does that translate? So mm. particularly working with architects, I might say, what's, what do you notice about urban developments in Brazil? So I have lots of Brazilian students compared to Australia. And what does that mean to you? Because sometimes they're not necessarily um, open to share that or they're afraid to share these things. And I think at, at, it's important to be able to do that. So 
one thing that I try and um, encourage is share that when you're talking about projects, for example, you might say, this is one thing I notice about the difference. And, and then you can get an understanding of how the business actually feels about those differences or, or what their opinions are. And, and then you're welcoming them into your world a little bit and then getting a good understanding. So I think it's really, it's, it's really essential sometimes for some people to feel like they can share aspects of their culture. So that's one thing that I notice that comes up for me a lot. And, and also I would, I have a question for you in terms of, so I have a lot of people who would say, I don't really know what to share about my culture. I, I feel sometimes like I don't want to be it to be seen as a handicap. And, and that, that happens every day. It's, you know, my English is difficult. It's difficult for me to speak um, with confidence I feel like it's holding me back, but I don't want them to feel like it's a handicap. So how could you address that in a way in an interview so that you feel supported and not like that what you're bringing is a handicap? Yeah. Well, it's a great question, isn't it? And, um, you know, I think it's so interesting because I know a lot of the work that both of you do is from the candidate side of things, if you like. Um, so. I, I really think that um, the organizations themselves really have got a lot to not answer for, but a lot, a big part to play in this journey that candidates experience, because there is so much talent across the globe. Um, and especially perhaps, although I'm, I don't profess to be an expert in the architecture space, but, you know, I, I can imagine great architects are, um, pretty tough to come by, right? Um, but they're gonna be highly talented, um, well-educated individuals um, who have worked to perfect their craft, right? And so, uh, and they will have done that in whatever language they have done that in, right? Um, and, and I think that organizations really should be thinking about ways to proactively you hear me talk about proactive uh, a lot you know but proactively look to address um, either linguistic challenges or indeed any other element of diversity that could create or be perceived to create barriers right so I give you a great example here um, a, uh, a colleague of mine who is a wheelchair user will often say, and I think she's absolutely right when she does, that, you know, she is not disabled. It is society that disables her, right? So in other words, it is the, the barriers, those barriers that, that many of us don't see because we have able-bodied privilege, perhaps, that, that, that limit her progress in the world, not her, right? Because yeah. she has... Uh, quite happily um, worked to live with her um, uniqueness, if you like. And, um, and it, it is the outside world, if you like, that hinders her progress. So let's just flip that coin back to, you know, people who perhaps for them, English is not a first language. Mm. Um, if the employer firstly um, understands that at early stages, Right. Um, then the employer should take some ownership about perhaps the pace at which they speak, 
the time they allow for the individual to not only comprehend the question, but of course that inner translation that's going on and then the thought that goes on because the individual wants to give a great response, right? Mm. So so the if the in, interviewer can take the time to um, to give permission for time, that's great. And then for the candidate, who, of course, will naturally be doing that, to be able to say just simply, please bear with me, I'm just, I'm digesting your question or I'm thinking about your question in order that I can give you the best example. And and I say to people listening, get comfortable with the silence. You don't want a long, drawn-out pause, of course, but give yourself permission to think about a, um, a well-thought-through response that you feel comfortable in articulating rather than feel compelled to answer immediately because of the fear of silence um, and actually then fail to present yourself and your great qualities at their best. Does that answer your question a little? Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that you were talking about too, which I think is good, is is allowing yourself the time to say, yeah, I need a bit more time or, or allowing yourself to say that and, and that's okay because often people are afraid to say that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be seen as weak or, or not as good as other people. So I think that's a really good point. So great advice. I think it's really well, important. Personally, I think that um, it doesn't matter whether English is or is not your first language. Um, I do think that everyone should take a moment to just digest any question that they're asked in order to then give their best response. Um, so I don't see that as, you know, segregating people for whom English is not their first language against uh, those who, who in, for English is. Mm. Amazing. Look, I think that's great. We've actually found out now. So Vaughn Harris is actually the anonymous person <laughs> who I know. And, ta and so... What, and so Jackie, Vaughn is the Baron of Bim, and uh, I've known him for quite some time. Vaughn, you're going to have to check your settings. Unfortunately, I do not know how to fix your computer, but I am glad you brought that to the chat, and I think it's great. Alicia's dropped us a little note as well, saying, Hi, I have found that a number of companies have the right values when you ask, and they promote them on their website, etc. But when you work for them, it's a different story. There's oh, yeah. no transparency or ability to question it without jeopardizing your job. Now, that's a tricky situation, and and right. we'll all we'll all jump into that now. But what was interesting, Jackie, when you were talking and thinking about what Van said about missed opportunity, it's so interesting, isn't it? That I think that uh, maybe an employer, as you say, who's worried about, oh, I need to be um, ethical, I need to be inclusive, and I need to. Oh, it's that tick box exercise. It's actually a massive missed opportunity because to embrace it creates opportunity because I found that human beings, if we all have an understanding between us and you're accepting of everyone's situation, you're more likely to pull together. You're more likely to have teamwork. You're more likely to have camaraderie and people are more likely if you run a practice and you're accepting and you're inclusive of others, people are going to stick with you during the difficult times because you're, you know, it's that human thing. Whereas it, I think that, and what I've seen, little examples before, so a literal example would have been that 
I've seen people that um, maybe they have responsibilities, maybe they have a family, and because they're a single mother, they've not been able to go to a nine to six job when actually, and then so the employer will look for that. Whereas if you hire this fantastic mother who's super smart and you just need to be a little bit flexible, you need to be a little bit inclusive. There you go, got it in. Inclusive of the time requirements. Then what you get is an amazing employee who's really appreciative and you can do great stuff. And I think just to jump in on Alicia's question here, that's what I f is disappointing about this this point you raised, Alicia, that it's, it shouldn't be just an opportunity for the website to say, oh, that'll do, let's get a picture of that event, because that really doesn't fix anything. And I right. think it's about the situations we're talking now of genuinely understanding people's situations and being like, it's no problem to me. You're part of the family. That's what gets people to stay in a company for a long, long period of time. And I think like putting a picture on the website, as you said, Alicia, it gets all real quick because when you're in the desk, you know, that's when it's really important. And what's really short sighted by the architectural practices or employers is that if you only saying what's great on the website, you're not solving the core problem. And actually that will really, from a business point of view, catch up with you because you lose people. People go, which has a massive economical effect on the business. And so that's kind of my interpretation on it, Alicia. Mm -hmm. But I'm more than happy if anyone would like to build on this point that Alicia raises here or add to what I said. I mean, Jackie, do you want to weigh in on what your thoughts are? Yeah. Well, you're quite right. You know, I think, uh, and thank you, Alicia, for that point because you know it resonates so much with me. Um, you know, and um, and 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 to Vaughan's point as well, it was good to know who wrote that comment. So thank you for that too. Um, yeah, I went a lot of the time. The 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 start of the journey that I um, take organisations on, in terms of embedding inclusive practices into their organisation, is to really uncover how diversity and inclusion aligns with their organizational values. So in other words, how are they really looking to bring inclusion to life in, in, through those values? You know, we often see, don't we, organizations professing, you know, honesty and integrity and teamwork and passion and all those kind of buzzwords, really. But what does, this, what does it really mean? And so I think that this it, this gives a wonderful question for any candidate to ask in that, um, you know, I notice, for example, when I was researching your organization, that some of your values uh, are X, Y, and Z. So there you've already just demonstrated there that you've researched. Yeah, simple, simple way of doing that. Um, so, so tell me how those values come to life in terms of the way in which you um, uh, look to proactively include different people in the organization. Because the way I see it, inclusion and the feelings, if you like, the human feelings that come with inclusion and feeling included, feeling like you belong, they very much echo Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which if people have heard of that, is the, the layers that we, um, the kind of motivational layers that we go through as human beings until, until we get to a fulfillment phase. And it's known as self-actualization in Maslow's uh, terms. But some of those key layers that we go through is that we want to feel safe. We want to feel valued. 
for our contribution and we want to feel like we belong. And so those are fundamental for our fulfillment. And so to Alicia's point, so many people go in and the the reality does not match the promise and it feels inauthentic because cultures are not about lists of values. Cultures are about the day-to-day language and behavior of the employees and explicitly as well, the leadership teams in organizations. And, um, you know, as I often say to people, we copy what we see every day. Right. So you can turn around and say, oh, we stand for this and our values mean that. But it is the behavior and the language of every employee within that organization that ultimately shapes its culture. So what could you do? And I'll keep this brief now. But what could you do as a candidate um, to, to see, well, is the reality the same as the promise for this company or not? My advice actually would be to do some digging on LinkedIn and look for people who have previously worked for the organization and uh, and reach out to them and ask them what their experience was like. And you can then ask those questions that you may feel less comfortable asking in that interview. Now, bear in mind, of course, that there may be some slightly disgruntled people that have left the organization or whatever. But it's worth an ask because you're going to get um, rather than places like Glassdoor, where you either get sort of five star, everything's wonderful from people who are still there, or it's a terrible place to work from from the disgruntled people that have left. You you are perhaps more likely to have that one to one personalized uh, experiential testimonial from some of the people that perhaps worked there before. Um, And you can get a sense of what their progression was and, of course, what their experience was. That's just an idea. Amazing. Wow. I think that's some extremely practical advice. So thank you, Jackie and Alicia. Really great that you, you know, brought this because that's what it's all about. It's, It's fantastic that we can talk. It's an opportunity for anyone here, though, to add. So if you've got a question, feel free to jump it in or share your thoughts. Now, Tara, I was just conscious before I've got Cecilia's left us a big message, which I really want to unpack because it, it looks awesome. But just before that, Tara, is there any thoughts you want to add or or anything before we go um, to the Cecilia bombshell? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, as um, we're about to see, it is a complex issue. And I think mm. it, it's hard to just address in one one video, isn't it? But one thing that I was thinking as you were talking, Jackie, too, I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about how sometimes a company might get somebody in because they want to play that we are diverse. So they'll they'll go for someone in particular because they want to show that they appreciate culture and diversity. And I think it's really important what you're saying to research the company, research and, and speak to as many people as you can because if you've been hired for a certain reason and, and perhaps your different background is that reason, but if you're not necessarily supported for that, you need to make sure that it, you understand because I, I've worked with people too, for example, who have taken a step back from their career because they've, they've come from somewhere where they've had to start sort of from lower down and then they don't necessarily know if their career progression will be supported and because they didn't ask in the interview or they didn't do their research beforehand. And I think that's a, an important aspect. You know, sometimes people might come to a job and just take the job or 
or go for whatever they can get. So I think that's really important what you're saying about do your research, understand, talk to as many people as you can. Um, maybe if it's somebody sim- in a similar situation from a similar culture, understand what their experience is as well. And the other thing that I was thinking about too is a lot, um, particularly if you have very diverse teams, the ways that we all communicate are so different. We have different tendencies in cultures. So I often talk about um, the book, The Culture Map by Erin Meyer. And I think this has really helped me understand so much more and appreciate the value of the different ways that people communicate. And, you know, some cultures are more explicit, some are less explicit. And so this is also an important aspect to remember. So that's all I wanted to add. I think, you know, you've really covered a lot of things. It's it's really great. I think it's really so, and sorry, Stephen, just to sort of respond, if I may, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with something there is about, you know, why do people want the job? And um, and then this links to the overriding question, Stephen, that you began with, you know, can we ask about this in interview? So, you know, we have to appreciate that, that that people are in different circumstances right that that's what makes up this world there may be people that are literally you know perhaps they found themselves or or rather it's never yourself that gets made redundant it's always your position right but perhaps you found that that your previous position has been made redundant and so you're looking to get into something quickly to to be able to earn some money maybe instead it you're moving from one organization to another for uh, growth and progression so the reason behind the job that you want as well and how long term you see that job being um, will also perhaps play a role as to the questions you will ask Um, but you know I I don't ever think that people should be frightened to ask a question that will help them be their best self within that organisation and I genuinely don't believe that any employer worth their salt right should be offended in any way shape or form by somebody doing so Mm. amazing amazing i think you covered it so well so uh wow tara jackie i don't even need to be here really i'll just keep (laughs) popping stuff up on the on the screen i couldn't have said it better myself loving the energy alicia says thank you but actually alicia Thank you for asking the question, because then we can all talk about it. That's what it's Great all question. about. And so yeah. I alluded to um, Cecilia's message, which I think we've all seen here as well. Oh, my gosh, Jackie, I'm kind of cutting you off here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You'll have to kind of just go <laughs> above. But this is really important that we show Cecilia's message because it's well thought out. And I think it's really great perspective. So Cecilia Pearson says this is a very complex issue. And where you start in diversifying the types of people in architecture and construction industry. Um, seeing as an architectural education is extremely prohibited cost-wise, we see a narrowing diversity simply due to the social economic constraints. At an industry level, you have to be careful. Diversity doesn't become a buzzword. Interesting. Um, and many firms have an extremely non-diverse management. Mm. So yes, a lower level personnel is diverse, but management, not at all. I right. mean, woman. Okay. All right. So I'm going to take it off the screen a bit and we will bring it back, but I just think it's unfair that Jackie's kind of hidden yeah. a bit. 
All right, Cecilia, a, a really great account of view. And so while I, I was talking about some great architectural practices uh, who are progressive, I think it would be naive to say if everyone's there yet. And it, it's, it seems like we're going in the right way. So as some practices, uh, architectural companies are embracing it and perhaps some are still on the curve on the way there. So does anyone have any thoughts that they want to jump in with on Cecilia's point of view? Uh, Jackie or Taro, is any, which, who would like to go first or second or just chill out? You can do whatever you want. Well, really. Jackie, I think you should go first. That's well, for sure. I was going to actually pass the button to you, given I'm oh, okay. first with everything, but I'm happy okay. to want you to, but go ahead. Oh, gosh, I think there's a lot of things in this. And I think I really think it's important that we address that idea of diversity has become a buzzword because I think yeah. we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It definitely is. And and it's like people want to include the token person or mm -hmm. the, the token diversity. Um, I think it's it's a really difficult thing to, to address. And uh, I think that it's true that we do see a lot of examples of non-diverse uh, management managing diverse teams and so how do you how do you understand different people's perspectives if you don't if you don't have that understanding of diversity so that's kind of how I see it I mean Jackie I think you have a better understanding yeah. of of that. You know, I think you make a valid point. And, um, and Cecilia, thank you for the, um, you know, the contribution, because I, I totally agree that, um, you know, diversity without inclusion is pointless. Right. Let, let me be clear on that. And um, and of course, you know, I say diversity and inclusion. I also mean equity as well. And and, and you know, the the socioeconomic um, uh, point that you mentioned, I'm just reading back there. Yeah. So we see a narrowing. Um, now, m I mentioned I, I know very little, if anything, about architecture, I'm afraid. Um, but I do recognize that, you know, if there are um, if it is costly to train people or to receive training in architecture then hence that probably is where that comment comes from so I hope I've mm. uh, interpreted it correctly I think correct Jackie right yeah. right okay so there's this is where we go from the individual to the systemic nature of um, what needs to change in our world right um, the you raise a, a few points in this uh, great comment so yes how can we make it more accessible for more people, um, you know, to um, that, that perhaps have different or less privileged socioeconomic um, circumstances to enter into the profession? Because there are um, probably a whole host of um, uh, potential potential talent that the industry is missing out on. So, of course, then what happens is you get um, ponds smaller ponds to fish from if you like um, when looking for talent and of course they typically um, those ponds will often be similar types of people in this case perhaps slightly um, more uh, wealthy uh, in in certain you know if they come from certain parts of the world so therein is is one thing so we have to ask a bigger systemic problem a, a question of how can we make architecture more accessible for all the the second thing that you mentioned is something i hear much more frequently in other 
organizations too is you tend to have diversity in the lower rankings of organizations but suddenly it becomes much more homogenous in other words everyone's like looks the same um, and as you also say often it is men uh, that are dominating our boardrooms um, and you know once again you know this comes from a number of different things so first of all um let's let's be clear the three of us are not representative of the entire world right and society so even us doing our very best to discuss this topic as best we can can only ever do it from our own perspectives or indeed the perspectives that we have taken the time to understand in detail and this is the key because organizations and the senior leadership teams within if they have a successful business they almost a lot of the time people almost think well if it ain't broke do I need to fix it? Right. We're doing just fine as we are. Um, yeah, maybe we'll tick a box and we'll have a woman in HR because that often happens, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, there is a term for this uh, former client. Well, a client of mine calls this a uh, uh, pink ghettos. You know, so it's almost like the areas of an organization where women gravitate to often in customer service, often in HR. So we know it's a thing. And, you know, it Again, this is almost like a systemic um, process in business in the same way as that we have these stereotypes in the home that, you know, the, the man does the, uh, the drilling and the woman does the washing and things like that. These are all sort of stereotypes that we, we have to start to push against in order to get the best from everyone in, the, in society. So we can't do that if leadership teams don't take the time to understand not just what sits in each diversity box, if you like, in those uh, marginalized, underrepresented groups, but actually we need to take time to understand every human being to the left and to the right of us, recognizing that there are component parts to identity that cross over. And, and we know this as intersectionality. Um, a, a woman's experience from one part of the world will be very different to a woman's experience in another, or a woman of color or, or black woman. Um, that, that will be a different experience, or a lesbian woman, or a disabled woman, and so forth. So there are those component parts of identity that shape our experience, as I like to call it, as you can see, my, my map. Um, you know, we all have that unique map of the world, which shapes our experience and our belief systems and our personal values. So it's so, so important that we, we, we look at the boxes, as it were, of characteristics, but that we don't limit ourselves to that. And so, People like me are doing our best to help senior teams, uh, which are often male dominated, to fully appreciate not just the ethical nature of diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, and I, I put the emphasis on equity and inclusion here, but also the business case for it, because we have to really um, we have to get under the skin of what's important to people in a business and enough so that will encourage change. And it, I, as much as I would like to say that I could go out into an organization and say, 
it's the right thing to do to have diversity of thought and representation in your business. It is the right thing to do to value everybody's contributions, give the people, everybody a seat at the table and a voice at that table. As much as I would like to do that, and it's what I believe, I also recognize the reality of the situation is that some people need to know that by not having it, a consequence will be on their bottom line and those missed opportunities that Vaughan referred to. So I think it's about, you know, drip feeding the benefits through this. And I, in my work, desperately try to promote the positives of diversity, equity and inclusion by suggesting small things that people can do differently to become more inclusive and value the human beings around them, rather than to focus so much on, you know, oh, you're a little bit biased and oh, you can't say that and you mustn't do that. We will all make mistakes on this journey. It happens because we're all so unique and that's beautiful. Um, the key is to be able to take those small steps to progress, knowing how it will benefit us, keep those benefits front and center and, and change will slowly start to happen. That's my dream anyway. Mm. I think this is such an important conversation, isn't it? And the more we speak about these things, the more clubhouse rooms you have talking about it. And I love what you were talking to about, you know, even us three, um, our perspective is so different to another three people. So we, we need to listen to everyone and, and have give people the platform to be able yeah. to, to listen to them and to, and to, for them to give their opinion even though yep. we might not necessarily agree with it all the time, but it just That's has to that, be there. That is so important to remember as well. So thank you for, for prompting me on that because, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to agree with um, somebody's lifestyle or map of the world, their values, their belief systems in order to be able to respect it and in order to be able to include it in the wider mix. Um, you know, diversity does come in many forms. Um, you know, it isn't just, uh, it's not always immediately visible, um, the component parts of somebody's identity. And that's really important, um, you know, to, to remember that. We know that there's a lot of neurodiversity and that's what brings that wonderful um, diversity of thinking, creativeness and innovation, two things that are probably really important in architecture. Um, you know, so... Uh, there there is just so much that that we can um that we can benefit from not just as a human race but also in business of course so what what's one thing that you would say for example in to somebody who's doing an interview so i know we've been focusing on the candidate what is one thing you might do to sort of bring that out in an interview or is it is it not really possible to do well do you know do you know what i um uh Here's, here's the thing. It's and it, it, as you can imagine, it's another long response, and I'll try because <laughs> I'm conscious of our time. Sorry, Stephen. Um, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of things at play here. So first of all, um, psychological safety is a real thing, and it's a real important thing. And psychological safety is as 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 good a reference as the Erin Meyer culture map that you referenced earlier. Um, coined by Amy Edmondson, it basically means that you create an environment whereby people feel safe to take risks, to, um, to say they don't know, to be vulnerable. 
But in order to create that psychological, psychologically safe environment, it often needs that person to be vulnerable first, to say they don't know first. So from an interviewer perspective, one of the things that they could do is to be able to say to the person in front of them, look, you know, um, often people think about, so actually preempt the question. Often people wonder, you know, will, will I feel included in an organization? And in fact, the interviewer might say, I felt like that myself, actually. The interviewer might choose to share a little um, to the levels that they are comfortable of their own identity um, in order to then hopefully, and this is the intention, reciprocate, get reciprocation from the person in front of them. So again, it's about proactively um, encouraging that psychologically safe space. And then finally, the second thing would be that I actually believe that employers should change the way they interview right um and uh and attract people into their workplace i think a lot of the essential questions don't get answered until or asked or answered until later in the process and i actually think that if organizations again proactively um changed the way they um uh, encourage people to apply for jobs by for example, so rather than just saying we actively encourage applications from this, that and the other section of society, which is a good start. But more than that, um, we proactively take steps to ensure our spaces are equitable and our environments enable everyone to thrive. So if you need to be in a quiet space to work at your best, if you need flexible working to be at your best, if you need um, a, uh, a darker room to be at your best, if you need uh, time to respond to be at your best, tell us and we, we will um, actively seek ways to accommodate that and, and or if there's something else. Right. Because by again, by being able to start that process and say, look, here are some examples of how we will not just we say we will, but how we will accommodate you in order for you to thrive in a role with us. Then you're much more likely to have someone say, well, actually, I don't need a dark room, but I could do with a speaker to because I'm hard of hearing, for instance, or, you know, or, or whatever it might be. And, and I think if employers worked a little more like that um, and then thought about their entire interview process, um, you know, some people just don't work well under Q&A, but maybe they would work well if they were given a half day to actually work on a project with somebody as part of the interview process, mm, doing, doing the job rather than actually just answering questions about how they would do the job. Maybe that's the way the whole thing needs to change. Um, uh, you can tell I have a lot to say on it, but there we go. That's a little Definitely. answer. I love it. Amazing. Right. This has been easy for me. I've just enjoyed having the sit back and the, and <laughs> being absorbed in the conversation. But that's what it's all about. I mean, right on that note, though, I can see the time and where we're getting to. And Jackie, I know you're you're super flat or busy, exciting stuff, of course, and Tara as well. But on that point, we'll put the big gong with the big big gong. Yeah. Oh, John's sneaked in a little word at the end saying, 
I never dared mention Asperger's is bad enough being short and left-handed. Well, John, you shouldn't have to feel that way as well. I know you're just joining us now. But on that note, we have to move on. But I'm sure we can pick up this conversation again. Iona agrees. The point is, if you just join us now, you can watch the replay. But more importantly as well, so let's talk about where everyone can find us and pick up the conversation. Jackie, Handy. So if someone wants to ask you a burning question after this as well, how can they reach out and find you on LinkedIn or your website? How do we get a hold of you, Jackie? Uh, thanks, Stephen. And uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you both, by the way. Uh, so thanks for the opportunity to do that. Uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn, you'll find me, Jackie Handy. Uh, if, In fact, just Google Jackie Handy and you'll find me. Um, I've got a text on there. Um, uh, there's, uh, there you are Googling already. He's typing. Google <laughs> Jackie Handy. There we go. <laughs> Um, that's how you'll find me um if you if you want to be part of the clubhouse room uh if you're on clubhouse then uh there's three till four every friday afternoon uk time it's called how inclusive are you tara's often there with us and um uh, by all means reach out um i i actually also do a clubhouse room with a, a set of recruiter colleagues uh on a wednesday evening so this evening five till six um nail that interview is also on clubhouse house uh, that's also uk time. you're welcome to join um and just the last thing from me uh john mention your aspergers and and think about all the wonderful things you can bring to an organization because of your aspergers so the way in which it helps you um navigate uh your role and uh, and how it keeps you focused or whatever it might be um and of course Let's also remember, and this is to everyone, if an organization doesn't know what we need, then how can they um, help us to thrive? Amazing. Absolute pleasure, Amazing. Jackie. You've been a fresh uh, breath of air on here. I mean, it's been great to talk about this topic and dive into it. You're right. We, well, we can't. Um, it's a topic which we can discuss at great length. However, I think this was a great overview. And hopefully it's given people a lot of thought. And we did, we did, we actually did. We tackled the question, can you ask about these things? And the answer is, of course you can. Yes. So you yes. can do. All right. On that note, Tara at Archie English. Oh, I've got a shortcut as well. I can say, so find Tara, <laughs> Google Archie English. I like track. I like track. Or Tara <laughs> Yeah, or, or, or Google Tara, you can yeah. find the fantastic I, Tara as well. Yeah, I do highly recommend coming to join us on Clubhouse. I think that, that room is fantastic. I haven't been able to be on it the last few weeks, and I've, I I keep thinking to myself, oh, I really need to get home for this Clubhouse today. I would love to go, but hopefully this week I can make it. It's a great can, topic. We can sneak it in. And on that note, we're going to round up, but you can join the community of the Architecture Social at architecturesocial.com forward slash join. Me and Tara actually... We're making, a, we're making a course at the moment and you can find that this is part of it. It's all completely free and this will go under the title smack bang at the front. I will <laughs> put it at the front about under the title. Can you ask about equality, inclusivity, and diversity in an interview? Thank you everyone for being here, Jackie and Tara. Stay on the line one second that I will end the live stream now. Thank you everyone for joining us and asking questions and offering your thoughts. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.